The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... two-man power trip of wrestling i'm your host jp job with me today a very special guest formerly known as jackson Riker in the wb former tna tv champion former tna tag team champion once known as the modern day viking he is of course gunner aka chad lale chad welcome to two-man hey, power trip how you doing i'm doing well thank you for having me on here today brother so what's going on in your world what's going on with you man just uh just hit my 90 day no compete calls. It ended February 18th. So for me, it's just a transition into some new things. We, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm booked basically through the summer with independent shows, which is great. Um, I chose to jump back on the indie scene and have a little fun. I mean, that's where I started in 2001. So why not go back to my roots and, uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying that. And, and then jump, you know, I have a, a, a lot of, uh, <clears throat> ministry opportunities. I know some of the listeners may know that, that, uh, I am in the process of, of getting out, speaking a little bit um, at churches and just men's events. So I'm, I'm, I've got my foot in the door on a little bit of everything right now. Nice. So what's it like kind of not stepping away from wrestling, but, you know, for a little bit stepping away? Yeah, no. Well, so November, I think it was 18th. I got released from WWE. It was a nice just pause, man. You know, it was a good time to catch up on some uh, family time that I missed out on a little bit. Um you know, went and just did a couple of different trips with my family, some different things. And, uh, just kind of, like I said, started getting my foot in the door with some other opportunities. It's been, it's been good for my body. I think just to give myself a little bit of a break. Um, but I, you know, I had my first, I guess, independent show back February 26th. So I, <laughs> me and a buddy showed up to the show and it was a little small building. And just, I was like, man, back to my roots. And it was, uh, yeah. it felt good to just, man, to just have fun and enjoy. It was like very small building, like 75, hundred people, but you know what? The, the energy was there. People are loving what, you know, coming off the COVID, they can go back to some live events. So I'm, I'm having a blast, man. What did you think about the actual release though? Like, were you shocked when that happened back in November? I wasn't, I, I, you know, there, there's so much changes going on right now. And it, you, you saw guys uh, left and right getting released and once the Elias feud ended there in August of 2021, so last year, um, I, I just kind of got lost. I, I don't know what happened. I don't think I made anybody mad. I felt like, you know, Elias and I 
did business well and performed well. And after that, it was just me doing main event matches, which, dude, I got a chance to work with like Drew Gulak and Cedric Alexander, a lot of great, great guys. And it was just, it was weird, a weird vibe. Um, I really wasn't for the last six, seven months there. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with, you know, the things that were going on. And, uh, you know, I'd have, I had five good years in WWE, but it was just one of those times where I was, when it happened, when they released me in November, it was kind of a weight off my shoulders, to be quite honest. What do you mean by that? You, you kind of just weren't happy. So you just wanted to be gone. It actually made you feel better to get to kind of just get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it wasn't one of those things where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call Lamar and quit. You know, I was like, well, you know, I was pitching ideas for character stuff, pitching ideas to work with certain guys, you know, uh, Carrie and cross and I, uh, known as Carrie and cross then yep. were pitching ideas to, um, you know, work a feud, be a faction, like just a bunch of different things going back and forth and, and nothing just ever stuck, man. And, and I don't know why, you know, had a couple meetings with Vince here and there. Uh, but it was just one of those like, you know, when you fly to TV and one week you're working main event and then you fly to TV and you you don't work for three or four weeks. It's just like a guy like me that grew up, you know, wanting to be a pro wrestler at five years old. I didn't I didn't I didn't dream of, you know, flying to work and sitting in the locker room. It's like, man, I want to be out there and right. working in front of this crowd, entertaining, doing my job, doing what I love to do. So what do they say? Like when you across go in there, like what does Vince say? What what like what do they say? Like why they're not using you? There was honestly no answer. It was one of those things where like oh we're just we're just we're going to start coming up with some new ideas and and I've heard that many times with some of the other guys that got released and then you know they get released uh, and you can pitch the ideas. I was talking to writers, doing this, doing that. There was really no, <laughs> there was never a clear answer. I mean, and that's the entertainment business. I don't think it's just pro wrestling. I've done a few movies here and there, and that's kind of how it is. Hey, here's a script. Do what you're told. You know, go do your job, and we don't ask questions here. And uh, you know, it's kind of it was nerve wracking at times, but it's one of those things, man. Like I mentioned before, I've mentioned many times. I had five years with WWE. Some people never even get that opportunity. So for me to be able to live my dream was at WrestleMania last year. Just a lot of cool things that happened for me. So I'm never bitter. I'm not one of the guys that gets on the show and, you know, starts bashing things or anything. Um, but I think, you know, people understand that it's the entertainment industry. You know, one day you're hot, the next day you're not. So what's it like meeting with Vince? Like, is it intimidating? How is he? Is he easy to meet with or is it a bit, bit rough? Honestly, he was he was very easy. And, you know, listen, I come from a stern family where, you know, if I can deal with my father, who wasn't a mean man, but he was stern and strict. Uh, you, you just go in and, and I've had many people throughout the years like, hey, dude, just go talk to Vince like he's a normal human being, because that's really he's going to see that if you, you go in there shaking and scared to talk to him. And that's how I handle it. I mean, I'm a Marine, you know, I've yeah. dealt with many right. uh, tough right. individuals and conversations and stood in front of, you know, Marine Corps boards to get promoted in front of, you know, these hawk-eyed sergeant majors and first sergeants who are just looking for something to yell at you for. So, man, anytime I met with Vince, I just talked to him like you and I are talking right now. I just told him how I feel, the, you know, the the things I had in my mind and or what I wanted to do. And he was always very open with me. Vince was never hard to deal with with me. Is he hard to reach as far as like getting to him? Because I always hear stories like you got to wait in line or he he's not available. He's obviously a busy man running a billion dollar company. But is it is it like that? Is it hard to like get in front of him and get that meeting? Yeah, it, it is a lot. You know, I remember doing extra spots in 2008, 2009 as an extra talent for WWE. You know, Vince would be walking around the back. You'd see him so much. And 
<clears throat> what I did notice is going up to the main roster, he was very not hard to approach. I'm not going to say that, but you know, one of those things where it's like, hey, does Vince have a few minutes to meet? Uh, not right now. You know, just kind of you got to pick and choose your days, whatever mood he was in, I guess. But yeah, it wasn't. You know, I mean, they said it was an open door policy, but a lot of the times um, that wasn't the case. It seems like. You know, obviously he's got a million things going on through the day. So it might be when to catch him, when not to catch him, when when to bother him, when not to bother him, how you're approaching him too, right? Oh, yeah. And that's it, man. You you know, you understand, okay, Vince is not in the best mood today. We're probably not going to be able to talk to him. You got to understand the man with with the, the pandemic that hit over the past couple years. I mean, he's probably very stressed out over, over all the things that's going on. So he's got a company to run. And, uh, you know, TV to write. And so it's a wild world. So, I mean, you give give him props. He's been doing it for many, many years. Did you happen to catch his interview with Pat McAfee? Did you happen to I haven't catch watched that? it yet. I, I've heard many good things about it. I haven't got a chance to to sit down and actually and, and actually uh, check it out yet, but I am. Uh, pretty interesting. Pretty uh, intriguing look into to him. Because I don't think he's done an interview. I'd say 10, 15 years or so. It's been a while. Wow. Yes, it's been a very long time. So I, I definitely uh, look forward to, you know, Vince is a, I mean, he, dude, he built a dynasty, right? He, he yep. took this this entity of WWE and and made it larger than anybody could ever have imagined. I mean, I remember as a kid growing up the Attitude Era, and I'm just like, wow, what is going on here? This is something you never, never saw, you know, and you probably never will see that again. Absolutely. And it's funny, I saw some people online saying, oh, why didn't Pat McAfee grill him? I was like, well, Pat works for him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He can't grill him too much. I mean, there's some good stuff and there's some funny like questions, but not too much softballs. But it's one of the things where he's not, they're not going to say, what happened in Saudi Arabia? You know what I mean? They're not going to, you know, they're not going to go that far. No, 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 no. There's definitely something going on there. They're building up for some kind of storyline. Yeah, really. Austin Theory against uh, Pat McAfee, I think. Okay, with, like, with like Vince kind of, I guess, in Austin Theory's corner, I guess. Okay. that You know what, man? That Austin Theory dude i got a chance to just be around him in nxt he, he's he's a star bro he's a star i'm looking forward to seeing how far he goes and, and I mean, man i look forward to that kid's future kind of reminds me of cena in 02 like remember yes. when he first came up that the vibe you get from him oh, like yes. i don't know what he's gonna do yet but he's he's gonna do something very much very much he's got a big he's got a bright future for sure so when you are like meeting with vince and all that stuff did he give you any indication like, hey, you know, I'm happy with you. We're going to go this direction or you don't even get that from him. He's, he's like tight lips. He's not going to tell you direction and things like that. No, for me, it was always he had a direction. So with uh, the Elias feud, like I said, it was it was uh, he he come up to me and said, what do you think about a look change? Like cutting your hair, trimming your beard. And I said, to be honest, I would love to. Like I was tired of that look. I'd had it for many, many years uh, changing things up. And so I did it. We, we, he, you know, they started pushing me as, as a, a baby face, pretty, you know, pretty much doing the stuff with Elias. Uh, so he was pretty open with me about what he wanted from me, kind of, you know, a, a more of a, you know, not a white meat baby face, but one like you would see Steve Austin or those guys back in the day that was just a rugged, you know, guy that just kept on getting up. And that's what, that's how I like to work anyway. So I was like, oh, I can, I can do this. You just tell me what, what you want from me. Um, so there was always a good communi- line of communication there. But, but like I said, after the Elias feud, it just kind of, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It just, there was a big halt on everything. So 
what about the strap? Like, what's the the genesis of that? Does he say like, oh, I want you to have this leather strap? I mean, like, what's the real like genesis of it? I think I trapped myself into that. So we oh, okay. we we had the strap match, and and uh, we were doing a vignette in the back, and um, they wanted me kind of you know like I said that rugged like psychotic kind of baby face. And I was like, what if I'm I'm just strapping myself here during this promo? Uh, then I start talking, and I finish it with me strapping myself. And, and we did it, and they were like, oh, that's incredible. Then Vince sees it, and he, he wants me to walk out to the ring beating myself with this leather strap that, man, hurt so bad. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking, what have I gotten myself into? But, I, you know, I went all in, 110%, and uh, it, then it just kind of fizzled out. Another thing that we were trying to run with it and do some stuff with it. It's not like I could just carry a strap around my whole career, but I thought there were some, you know, pretty cool things we could have done. I pitched some ideas for um, – myself and our truth because we had done some little skits together mm -hmm. and just a very fun guy to work with and i was like man we could have this you know this little dynamic of this serious jackson Riker and our truth always joking around and then eventually he kind of breaks me and makes me crack and unfortunately that never happened but man i, I wish because that would have been a lot of fun see with the strap um Back in the day, OVW, I think it was 06 or 07, something like that. Brent Albright had the strap, but it was his grandfather's strap. Yes. So, like, it meant something, you know what I mean? And, and then he feuded with Punk, and they had a nice feud. But it, I thought that's what it was going to be. I thought it was going to mean something to you personally. You know? What yeah, I mean? which, yeah, man. I think moving forward, if we would have kept on moving with that, I, we could have done a lot. You know, I could have done some heritage with it or just something different, which that's great to think about, you know, how Brent Albright used that, made a story out of it. So it's, it had some meaning. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like maybe that's where it was headed. So it really didn't have any meeting yet, like as yeah. far as TV. Yeah, they missed. You know, I think we missed out on some good opportunities with certain things. With uh, me cutting my hair, you know, I was just talking about this the other day, where I think Elias could have jumped me backstage and even shaved my head and just, you know, yeah. made me flip a switch. And I mean, there's just so many things. But you know, WWE is a like it's by times, man. So like, there's you know whatever Vince envisions whatever he wants it's like it's very cut and dry paint by numbers kind of thing not that's not taken away from the talent everybody works super hard but with AEW, i could have probably went and said hey i have an idea let's let him attack me shave my head causes me to flip a switch and they'd have probably went oh that's great tv you know <laughs> but right. it's just different in wwe man like i said it's it's by the numbers and you do what he says and go from there See, that would have been great. Would have made like sense and would have added to the feud. Yeah. Like, hey, this guy shaved my head. This is a personal issue here. Sure. Like, embarrassing almost. Absolutely, man. Yeah. But then it brought me back to like, you know, I thought we pitched the idea of doing it. And then it's like flips this switch. And I go back to this Marine Corps mentality of the crew cut and the clean cut. And there's just so many opportunities there. But it's all right. Stuff I maybe I can do on the independent scene or, or yeah. you know, maybe another major company down the road. So. What do you think of Elias? Because obviously when he first came in or when we first saw him on the CNWB, so much potential. He's got a great look. Yeah. He's almost like looks like the macho man almost to yes. a certain extent, but but a different look to him. But you know what I mean? What do you think about Elias? Dude, we we became really close friends, still keep in touch to this day. Uh, just a really good guy I linked, linked arms with and kind of um, just had – we had the same vision when it came to like, dude, we loved to team – and we, we thought we were going to end up getting the tag titles because they were like we were doing these matches with New Day and this, these really good tag matches that we'd come to the back. And Vince would be like, man, that was, you know, that was great. We just had this dynamic. 
Uh, and then they split us up, which is fine because we got to feud a little bit and do the Symphony of Destruction match. But man, like I said, he just became one of my good friends. We traveled together. We, you know, we we, we worked out together. Uh, we kind of had the same vision about about things and about life. And uh, you're right. He, every time before we even really met, I looked and was like, that guy's got a macho macho man vibe to him, you know. And he's one of those two that just um, he's got like the small details, you know. Uh, he can flip a switch, man, and and he gets out there whether it's on the microphone or you've seen the things he did with Undertaker, John Cena throughout the years. Uh, just an incredible talent, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with him when he comes back. Um, I think it's 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 going to be some good stuff. But man, nothing but good things to say about Elias. The drifter, the guitar, yeah. the guitar playing, the look. Apparently, right. they got rid of all that, and they were going to bring him back. And I guess he almost looked too much like Macho Man in the reincarnation that they were going to bring him back with. Okay. So they didn't bring him back. I, don't, I mean, who knows if that's true or not? But it's know. just one of those things. It's like, where the hell has he been? He seemed like he had money written all over him. Yeah, and he does, and he does. Because I mean, like I said, I just mentioned the name of names of guys he's worked with. Everybody. I mean, he's. He's definitely got money written all over him. So I hope, I hope and pray that they do the right thing with him because he's just one of those talents that not only, I mean, he's been wrestling for quite some time. I want to say, Lord, I've been in it almost 22 years. I would say at least 15 with Elias. Um, and he's got something he can get in the ring and work with a guy like, you know, Austin Theory we just mentioned or some of these younger talents coming up from the the uh, NXT brand. And he's just got a lot to offer. He's going to – you. so what we're – what we we always talked about with the WWE locker room, you got Randy Orton, John Cena's around a little bit. You know, you, you have these select guys, Edge, obviously, who's still those veterans that you can go to and pick their brains and learn these things because these guys work with, I mean, Shawn Michaels, all these names. There's not many guys that are that are that are moving into that place of the locker room leaders, you know. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it's baffling to see, like, maybe maybe it's Vince's fault, but, like, why isn't Elias out there? You know what I mean? It's just like you see somebody and you just don't know why he's not being pushed. Right, because the people love him. I mean, they either loved him or yeah. hated him. You know, even yep. when he was singing his songs, it, even if he was a heel, they were still cheering him at times. And it was, so he's just one of those characters that they can latch on to, man. And it's, you know, I don't I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. Did you think you guys were going to get, like you said, the tag title, but did you think you could get more of a push? Because you had the symphony match, the strap match. Like, you guys are building something there. It seems like there's going to be some sort of payoff. And there, I mean, there kind of was with you winning it, but there wasn't really a big payoff. There wasn't. We were, we were expecting more. Like I said, we were doing some really awesome tag team matches. And we were expecting, like, to at least go into a pay per view and work with the tag champs or, or, you know, something like that. But it just, you know, they said, no, we're going to let you, we're, I think we're going to let you guys feud. And after the Symphony of Destruction match, you know, he kind of went away and then I kind of fizzled away, I guess you can say. Uh, we definitely would have loved because, I mean, we were only – I mean, we did strap match, probably, what, two other matches and then the Symphony of Destruction. So it wasn't a lot. I feel like there's more we could have done. Like we pitched some vignettes. We pitched we pitched all kinds of stuff. Him jumping me in the parking lot. I mean, just – I really think we could have stretched it out to a, uh, to a pay-per-view match. I mean, the Symphony of Destruction match, to me – uh, going into Dallas, the first live crowd we had back after whatever a year and a half, uh, man, that match could have been a pay per view match. That match hurt. I mean, everything about it hurt. You know what I mean? Uh, the crowd was electric, and I just remember the feeling of it. And going, we really, I feel like we did a good piece of business that night. 
and the thing is too to me anyway it's like okay you look at yourself and you look at life like these guys look like wrestlers they're not short they're not you know little guys you know what i mean they're actual look like real superstars real wrestlers and you think vince would love guys like you guys because you look like guys that he supposedly quote unquote loves like the they got the body they got the look they got the height i mean they look like pro wrestlers guys that are larger than life Sure. And yes, what, what I always heard Vince was a body guy. That's what they call right. it. You know, and yeah. it's, you know, different business now, which I'm, I'm glad there's different, you know, heights, weights, all kinds of stuff. But for sure, I mean, you got two guys that when, when I was growing up as a kid, um, and, and I hate to be that guy that keeps saying that, but I mean, it mm. was Hogan and Macho and Rick yeah. Rude and just, I mean, everybody looked like men, you know? So that's what, you yeah. know, captivated me as a child. I was like, these guys, and then most of them were legit, you know, tough guys. Um, so when I see a guy like myself and Elias or, you know, a Big E and some uh, like Drew, you know, uh, when I see those guys wrestling or fighting, I'm like, oh, man, he's because these guys could probably legit fight somebody. Yeah, it is just sometimes I don't know. It's a weird thing because some guys, even though they're smaller, like Brian Danielson, it's awesome and a legit shooter, too. So, I mean, he's legit tough and he's kind of almost the exception to the rule. But sometimes it's like some of the guys are too small, not believable and, and maybe kind of take you out of it a little bit. Yeah. But guys like even Big E, obviously he's a he's a big guy. I mean, he looks like he could be a wrestler. I mean, obviously, he played football uh, uh, Iowa too, so he's a legit background. But you know what I mean? Like, I think it's missing a little bit in wrestling, like that that legit factor. Like, oh, this guy could really do some damage, or oh, look at you know, look at this guy, he could kick ass. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And like I said, me as a fan from growing up in the eighties, nineties, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. I mean, there's a different breed of fans now. They all have their own whatever you know, kind of action or wrestlers styles they like and whatnot but i've always just been a fan of that rugged you know ronnie garvin i mean these guys that you just i mean i can name names all day long of guys i'm just like man he's like i just like that rugged style i'm not one of the um look i commend guys like ricochet and these guys who can do what they do because i can never do it never would would try but I, i still enjoy just a good when i when i get a chance to see uh drew mcintyre and sheamus I mean, there's two guys that's literally out there, you know, busting each other up. And that's what I like to see, just the physicality part of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are, there is no doubt about a, a spot for the smaller guys. It's just that it's, it's yeah. a, to me, it's such a different business, but it, it was so sure. successful with the larger than life guys. Maybe the casual fans, that's what they need to bring them back in. Yep, I agree. I agree because you want to see. I mean, when I go see a, <laughs> when I go see an action movie, I, I, I'm a little bit more into it if it's like uh what was the the uh, expendables you know just a bunch of oh <laughs> yeah oh yeah yep. you know just a movie like that opposed to but once again everybody's got their own cup of tea that they like and and for for you and i it seems like we're on the same page we just like that that rugged just man fighting that's yeah, like when they brought back Rambo, I was all, I was all into it. I was loving it. <laughs> Me too. I mean, as a kid, I mean, first blood watching that as a kid. And yeah. It was whatever, part six or something. And I'm like, everybody's like, well, he's old. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. It's still just sweet. Like just to watch this old man just massacre everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. Me and my, uh, a good buddy of mine, we were arguing over Sly versus Arnold, and I was naming all the awesome Arnold movies, and he was naming all the awesome Sly movies. I'm like, damn it, it might have to be a tie. So I was like, Arnold, def-, but then I was like, oh, he's like, what about Cobra? And I was like, uh, what about Predator? And we were just going back and forth, but yeah. like, like, that's the, the, the good Was well, Commando in there? Because that's one of my all time yes. favorites. So yes, as a kid, course. I wore that yeah. VHS tape out, dude. Commando was my, yes. I bet I, my mom laughs. I probably watched it, oh man, two or three times a day. 
Oh, I love love Commando. Yeah, I was watching Predator the other day, and I just was laughing because Jesse Ventura is so good in, in Predator. Yeah. Small role, but it, you know what I mean. Like all those guys, Carl Weathers is awesome, and I mean just man, just great awesome. stuff. I like it. I like it. Total Recall, of course. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I could go on and on all day. Yeah. The Running Man, you know, I Running Man. <laughs> yeah, there's some good ones out there. Yeah, but kind of going back to like the release part. Mm-hmm. How does that like go down? Is it like a Johnny Ace thing? Is there an excuse thrown in there? Like what what is like the release about? Like is it like a phone call? Do they bring you in? No, it was so it was uh November 18th, I believe, and probably 9 30 at night. The reason I remember the time is I was actually sending an email to the to a writer I was working with on a new character idea. And um I saw it, you know, just WWE Corp pop up on my phone. And I was like, oh, I think we're about to get released. It was Johnny Ace, you know, and, and he was he was always cool with me backstage, man. We would talk and stuff like that. And he just said, you know, we're going to exercise the right to, to, you know, terminate your contract, your 90-day no-compete clause. He goes, we just – we don't have anything for you right now. Maybe down maybe down the line, you know, keep my number and, you know, the, the normal spill. And it's really – what it come down I, they say budget cuts i mean that's what we always heard but it's you know if you look at the profit of the company i mean they're they're making money so it's like okay right. there's no budget cut there's no, <laughs> you know, there's no budget cut it's just a matter of something big what you know it's just weird because there's so many i mean what over 2021 I, somebody told me like i don't know how many 50 maybe more talent got released it might be more than that you know from wwe nxt brand everything so i mean that's a lot you know 50 to 60 I mean, that's a I lot. Thought of- I, I thought I counted 90 when I was just like looking the other day. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was combining two years, but it was it was a lot. But still, over two years, that's a lot. Yeah. There was a time in WWE where nobody was getting released, and then all of a sudden things started happening. So it makes you wonder sometimes, like, it, it, there's no budget cut because the company profited. So, uh, but that's it. You know, like I said, it was one of those things that happened. And I said, hey, man, I, I appreciate the five years of, uh, of employment and, you know, now it's time to just kind of move on to some other things. Do you take that like in stride though, budget cut, or does that bother you a little? Because, you know, that might ne- not necessarily be true. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of just something you say, it seems like. Well, man, you know, for me, I've been wrestling almost 22 years. I, I had a contract with Impact 2010 to 2015, and then almost five years with WWE. I know how the entertainment industry works. They're never going to tell you the truth. You know, most of the time, you know, throughout my career, if you send an email to somebody, if they reply, if they reply, it's, you know, five, six days later. It's not like a normal business where they call you and go, hey, we're, you know, we're going to have to let you go because of, you know, whatever reason. It's always a, a budget cut or we just don't have anything for you. There's never a clear answer of, hey, you know, you mess this up or Vince doesn't like you anymore. I would much rather him tell me that than go, Oh, it's a budget cut. Cause then deep down inside, you know, no, there's no budget cut. Cause you guys, like I said, you're profiting, but that's the entertainment industry. And that's just, I think that's their go-to just to kind of end the conversation and, and be out. To me yeah. though, it's like, okay, budget cut, but then Lesnar comes in who supposedly <laughs> is uh, God knows how much money he's cost, but he never ever wrestles four pay-per-views in a row. Right. And all of a sudden he's wrestling four pay-per-views in a row. Yeah. And it's like, does that, is he not included in the budget? You know what I mean? Like, how does that make sense? It's wild. Plus, I mean, they, they just, I mean, signed that deal with Saudi Arabia. It's like a yeah. 10 year, like just extreme amount of money. So it's yeah. like, we, we know what's going on, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Hey, <laughs> That's the entertainment industry. I mean, it happens. It happens every single day, and it's just—it's one of those things that I signed up to do this. It's what I want to do when I was a five-year-old, and 
Uh, I look at the opportunities I've had. I look at, you know, all the years I worked indies and made no money and then got an opportunity to, you know, support my family and buy a house. And so it's, you know, I really, I'm not bitter. A lot of people, you know, you hear them getting released and they're just dogging the company and trashing people. Yeah, man, I, I, I had a lot of fun times. Hunter was always cool with us down at NXT. I mean, I got a chance to work with Shawn Michaels, Terry Taylor, Norman Smiley. Bro, just the knowledge that I gained is worth the time that I was there, you know. So I'm, I'm not bitter by any means. How'd you get in, though? Like, Triple H, obviously, NXT. How'd you get in there? Like, do they, like, did Matt Bloom call you? Like, who's who's the connection? No, so 2015, I got released from Impact. Um, that was June of 2015. And I, so Dash Wilder, who Dash Wilder at the time, you know, uh, they're AEW with, with uh, Cash Wheeler, I guess is his name now. We're good buddies, known each other since 2004. So he was still at NXT at the time in 2015. And I called him and said, dude, I, I mean, we're really good buddies. 2004, we, we traveled throughout the years, independent scene. And I said, man, I just got released from Impact. You know, is there – who can I talk to to at least come in and get a tryout? And, uh, man, probably, I guess, literally probably a day or so later, I get an email from William Regal. And, you know, me and uh, Cash had known – know Edge pretty well. So Edge kind of vouched for me to Regal. Regal ended up getting me a tryout in July of 2015, so a month later, come down there and do a tryout. Uh, do really well, meet with Hunter. And then it took two years before I got hired. So it was a long process. But if you look at that 2015, 2017 timeframe, it's when Hunter was building this brand of NXT black and gold up. So he was yeah. bringing in these new indie guys, hot indie guys, you know, stuff like that. So that's, I always say that's probably why. So my foot in the door was just keeping in touch with Regal for two years, man. I mean, there, you know, once a month, I wouldn't bug him. Uh, I'd email him and he would go, I just keep you in a loop. Long story short, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. But in 2000, I guess, early 2017, like January, I get a call from Impact again saying, hey, we want to bring you back to team with Crimson. And I said, OK, cool. I mean, let's yeah, let's do some stuff. And and uh, the I left Impact on a guaranteed contract. So making a monthly check on top of what I made per show, uh, they wanted to bring me in for just uh, getting paid per show. I couldn't trust that because at that you know, I had just had a daughter, you know, she was born in 2016. I was like, man. So instantly I, I call up uh cash wheeler, Daniel, and, and this is what happened. And bro, within an hour, um, William Regal called me and said, Hey, we want to offer you a contract WWE. So it was literally like that. And wow. Um, so luckily I, I said something instead of just taking, you know, the easy route. I was like, I at least got to mention this to Regal. And they did. So May of 2017, I reported down there thinking, just keeping in touch with Regal, man. They, you know, look, thankfully for Edge, you know, for Dash, um, just these guys that really vouched for me. I knew Matt Bloom a little bit for my tryout, you know, never really kept in touch with him. Terry Taylor was a big help for me. You know, he's one that helped me with impact. And, uh, you know, I always kept in touch with him because he's a coach down in WWE. Do you think that they watch tape? Do they watch impact though? Like, you know what I mean? They, they, hopefully knew you beforehand right you know it's funny because i <laughs> uh bloom matt bloom uh he 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 knew of me i think from my tryout uh he knew that i had wrestled in impact but i don't think he ever watched any of it now i know edge i would send him some matches of my impact stuff and just ask for critiques or whatnot i would send some things to uh regal you know some of my independent stuff i thought was you know worthwhile so uh i don't you know terry may have watched impact just because he had had history there 
But as far as the other coaches, now a lot of them didn't even they didn't pay attention to any other product. Interesting, because you know it's on Spike TV. It's a national program, yeah. you know, global program, really. So they say. Now we, we you know, we 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 all laughed and said, oh, they say, you know, I never watch that, but they're probably at home every <laughs> all the time, like flipping channels back and forth, like right, right, just to keep an eye on people they know. Because I mean, right, you no, know, I still watch AEW because. I know quite a few guys there and and WWE, obviously. I mean, I know a lot of the guys there I like to keep up on. So NWA, I still keep an eye on because of Bram and Nick Audis and, you know, just a a slew of guys I like to keep up on. So we all keep an eye on the product. Yeah. Good, good thing to do that. But it's just to me, sometimes like, well, they bring you in for a tryout. You were on TV for five years. You know what I mean? It's like, really? Is that necessary? You know, but at the time, so that's, that's the thing is at the time, a lot of that was happening with, uh, you know, with, with, guys like Roderick Strong it didn't but you know because a lot of people ask me like why are they sending you to at the time it was quote unquote the developmental talent you know NXT down there but then it turned into a whole different entity uh but I mean man you know every single day we were in the performance center myself guys like Bobby Fish Adam Cole everybody nobody was exempt I mean there was times when Finn Balor was there rolling around in the ring with us so it's you know, nobody was exempt from that. I mean, some of the classes were a little bit more intense than other classes, but it was one of those things where Hunter wanted everybody there um, just to kind of, you know, be a part of a team, basically, because that's really what we were building down there. Is it to humble the guys, too, a little bit? Like, or maybe get them out of their comfort zone of like, hey, you you might have been somebody there, but you're nobody here. So is that like a part of it, too? I think so. I think because we, we, me and, you know, a couple of the guys would laugh quite often because it was like WWE was a mind game place, you know? Yeah. Uh, you would have a match on a, a live event in Florida, and I've been wrestling 20-some years, and, like, I'm used to going into independence or even impact where we could kind of work how we worked and listen to the people, you know, how they, they've always done it. And you would try some things at, at on these NXT shows, and they would be like, why would why do you do that? Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, why not? Like you, you, that's what pro wrestling's about trying things. And if it fails, don't do it or listening to what the people want, not just right. ABC, you know, uh, but that's the WWE. That's their, their, their brand. I mean, that's, this is how we do it. And, and we don't steer off that brand. So, but I think it was a humbling, you know, for some guys, for me, I just, it took a minute, it took about six months to where when I first got there, I was like, God, did I forget how to work or something like the way they're talking to me? <laughs> But then eventually I'm like, no, this, listen, I went through 13 weeks in boot camp where they broke you down from a civilian into a United States Marine, all mind games, um, you know, but I learned a lot. I will say that. It's almost like the same thing all over again, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot, lot, lot more intense Marine Corps boot camp, but I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's stuff at the yeah. performance center. I mean, a lot of, a lot of bump drills, blow up drills, and then, but you know, some of the more fun times I had was getting a chance. We uh, we had these sessions where we would watch tape, whether it be our live event matches or sometimes just an old match with like Terry Taylor or Shawn Michaels, uh, Road Dog. You know, Mick Foley had come in a few times, and he'd bring in like uh, Steve Kern, and I mean, dude, there's so many guys that would come in and just pour knowledge into us, and I love that. I love to just sit. And, and kind of be under the learning tree of some of these guys who obviously Shawn Michaels, you know, arguably yeah. the greatest ever. And, and uh, just sitting under the learning tree of this guy and listening to him say things too. Like at times he'd be like, I don't, I don't know why, you know, they're telling you guys not to do this here. He goes, cause you know, 
Sean would say, you know, us back in the nineties, we just, we just tried things. And if it worked, we kept it. If it didn't, then we just didn't do it again. Like each crowd's going to be different. So hearing him say that kind of calmed me down and went, okay, you know, we're just going to try some things. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. And in the grand scheme of things, what do you think about now? If you just look at the landscape, Michaels is there, he's in charge, but triple H isn't there anymore. Regal's not there anymore. A bunch of guys that were once there and the staples, obviously triple H was the boss. No longer in that part of NXT. It's different. Man, it's it's wild. So we I was speaking about this maybe a month ago to a buddy, and that NXT black and gold brand there for those number of years from what 2000, roughly the end of 17 on, uh, until the pandemic hit. Dude, it was, I mean, it was on fire. It went from you know, SmackDown Raw being the main two brands to NXT being in the run with it, and NXT selling out huge arenas, you know, a year in advance. We're going to different towns, different venues. I mean, these red hot crowds. Hunter, you know, not just Hunter. Hunter had a vision that he built upon, uh, but the talent built that roster as well. And now, you know, it's like, yeah, Hunter's not there. He's kind of missing. I know he went through some health issues. Road Dog's gone. Regal's gone. Uh, it's a completely different product, you know, when I watch it now. And it's not taken away from the talent, once again, because there's some young talent down there I love to see get opportunities. But it's just not the same. I feel like it's kind of just uh, – it's not the NXT black and gold where that was, I mean, that was a dude. It was one that I don't know. I mean, the rating that we were on fire. I mean, like I said, the, you could tell by the crowds at these Brooklyn takeovers and all these other takeovers we did. And it's just not the same now. It's something, I don't know if somebody came in and got their hands in it or <clears throat> Vince was like, no, nope, this is getting too big. Let's crush it down. Let's make it more developmental. Cause that's what it seems like. Seems like that for sure, because it seems like all the indie guys are gone either or maybe one or two are still sprinkled in like Roddy Strong is still there. Sure. But it doesn't seem like they wanted to keep a lot of those guys. They let Gargano go, let Cole go, Fish, O'Reilly. I mean, they let all those guys go. And now you got, you know, they still have some veterans, but it's Braun Breaker. It's Rick Steiner's son. Yep. It's uh, Grayson Waller. I mean, it's a lot of the younger guys for sure. It's, it's back to being developmental again. It is. And and you know what, man? Um in my eyes as a wrestling fan, I'm like, you know, over the years growing up watching it in the 90s, early 2000s, you had new talent coming in like you do at NXT, but you always had these veterans that were leading the pack. You had these Shawn Michaels who were working with younger talent to whatever, teach them and guide them and make them better performers. And, you you know, at NXT now, it's like it's all young, young talent. So it's like, okay, where's the veterans that are out working? Where's the Samoa Joes or the – you know, these guys obviously will know where they are, but like you, to me, you still need those yep. seasoned wrestlers, man or woman that come in and help lead and teach these guys, uh, you know, experience, not just, you know, moves. Cause now it's just, I mean, a lot of times it's, um, it's just moves. There's no, like I say, there's not any emotion. There's some good, you know, emotion down there, but it's just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's just not, not what I grew up on. Maybe I'm jaded, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, it's definitely different. It's interesting. It's, it's almost like, even if the guy's not that experienced sink or swim, you're on TV. Let's see what you got. Like there's no holding off. Cause you're on TV every Tuesday night on USA. Sure. That's it. It's sink or swim. And that's, that's way, I mean, that's way I was raised uh, in the business is, is you perform, you do well, you keep getting booked, getting paid. If not, then you're going to sit on the bench, man, or you're going to go home. And it seemed to be a bit of symbolism. I don't know if you ever saw this, but they had the black and gold X and Rick Steiner's son, Braun Breaker, kicked through it and broke it in half. 
Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like that. Uh, I don't know if that's symbolism or not, but it's like now it's NXT 2.0. And it was like, wow, the, literally breaking apart the old logo. It was like, wow. Yeah. All right. It makes you wonder if there's like a, a, a headbutt of powers, Vince and a hunter. And Vince is like, nope, I'm the alpha here. It makes you wonder sometime, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even uh, the interview with Pat McAfee, he said, he goes, sometimes family members don't live up to what I want them to be. Wow. Now, somebody said he was he was talking about Shane. You wouldn't say family member if it's your son. You would say family. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking Triple H, family member. Like wow. It was almost like a little shot at H there. Which mm, maybe they were button heads. Yeah, weird. Yeah, that's a possibility because, I mean, dude, Hunter was a, a pleasure to work for, though. He had a vision. Like, even when the Forgotten Sons were linked up, he, he had a vision of, you know, what he wanted. But he would listen to us. You know, as the difference of NXT in the main roster, he'd at least listen to you. And sometimes he'd be like, no, 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 let's just keep it at this. Or other times he'd be like, oh, that's actually a good idea. So you had a little bit of input there. I mean, and that, that's what we enjoyed about NXT. And I'm thankful that I was a part of that black and gold fiery brand because, I mean, to me, that was some history. Uh, and unfortunately, it's it's really not around anymore. What did you think about H, though, like just on a personal level? You got along with him very well? Yeah, dude, very approachable. Even from the first time I had a meeting with him in 2017 or whatever, uh, very approachable. Always, always out there at the ring going over stuff with guys, telling you what he, like I said, what he envisioned. Uh, just one of those guys that was just, I imagine too, that's how, let's see, I did extra spots in 2007, 2008. And I remember Vince always being ringside. So, you know, that's where Hunter, I would think, got that from. And then, you know, once Vince got a little older, I, I'm assuming his you know health may not be the best. I don't know. But, dude, with Hunter, he was always ringside, always approachable. Hey, Hunter, you got a second to talk? Yeah, man, what's up? You know, just a buddy. Not, you know, not like like we're having dinner together or anything, but one of those right. guys, he, he, he's the boss. Obviously, we treat him that way, but he's also the boss that wants to hear your input. I was just talking to Scotty Tuhati, and it's funny. He was talking because he obviously knows Triple H from I mean, we're going back in the nineties from yeah. independent scene in the Northeast. He knows triple. Wow. So awesome. then he, so then he knows him again, of course, in the attitude ever there, they're both big stars there. Of course, triple H one of the biggest, but he yeah. was saying that triple H. And then when he started working for NXT, he goes, was completely different. He's like, this guy just hugged a couple of the girls and said, great job. Great match. He's like, this was the guy back in the day that was not backstabbing guys, but you know, he's political. He's doing this <laughs> like, Oh shit, match rock. You know, like, you know, he, you know, being very competitive and stuff. He's like, and now he's being like the old father saying like, great job. He's like, I can't believe this is the same triple H. It's so crazy, man. I know, you know, think about that. Cause yeah, <laughs> you hear the stories of the attitude there when these guys are just dogging each other. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, some of them stabbing each other in the back and, yeah. you know, um, I mean, but now that you had Sean, that was the same way. Sean will be out ringside. Road dog will be out ringside. I mean, you're laughing cause you got DX, you know, yeah. out inside running the show. And we're like, dude, we're working for DX right now. That's what we're working for. And I just, I would just laugh, man. But that's so true. So true. Obviously, you know, they, they grow up and they change, but it's just funny to think yeah. like, wow, it's like it's Scotty, especially he's like, I've been gone for a few years, but it's just the same guy, you know, he completely changed. You know, yeah. obviously he's got kids and stuff too. So he's, he's, he's probably fatherly, literally, you know, he's sure. becoming in, in that father role, even T, calling the NXT guys, his kids. Mm -hmm. He's got all girls too. So I'm sure that humbled his yep. life really quick. <laughs> yes. I got yeah. one. I can only imagine three or yep. four, whatever he's got. I agree. Yeah, you almost become a little bit more like sensitive too, you know. You, you do yeah. for sure. Yes. Like when my daughter was born, it's like hey, you got to be a little bit more. You, know, you got to be gentle. You know, you got to be a little bit more calm about things. Maybe that's why he 
gave the girls such a big push. You know, he started uh, to get a little soft to the soft to the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Not man. that they didn't deserve it, but you know, he he recognized the talent. Sure. Yeah. I mean, those girls too. That's something that, like, I mean, you you look at the the advancement of the female uh, or the women's division or whatever. Uh, it's crazy. Wow. Now, because I mean, dude, growing up, I mean, two thousand one, two thousand two. I mean, they were quote unquote divas then. You had Tori and all these other women that are out doing these brawn panty matches and stuff like that. And now it's you no, know, they're in there doing physical matches with each other. And yeah, you know, it's just another one of those things that that the, each fan's got their own Kool Aid they like to drink and and be a part of. So it's good for them though. Yep. Like Bianca and Charlotte are like two of the most athletic people on the roster. It's crazy. Yeah. You wouldn't think that years ago. Bianca's a beast too. I mean, she is a beast, man. I, I when I first got to NXT, she was real pretty green and pretty young, but just a beast, man. And you, you just look at her and go, that girl's gonna be a star. And she yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. She's she gonna is. main event. Uh well, not main event, but be big part of WrestleMania again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So when does the Forgotten Sun start? That's NXT when they start putting you and Macklin and uh, Blake together? Yeah, we so those two, Macklin and Blake, were um, doing a tag team, just kind of running some stuff on the uh, the NXT Florida loop, which, you know, we do Florida shows every weekend if we weren't on the road. And Carino, Steve Carino, matter of fact, you know, we're all good buddies with. We were in his class a little bit. He would uh, he had an idea of like just throwing us together on a, on a you know a Florida show. I'm like, hey man, let's just make you guys a little trio and see how it goes. And we all rode together anyway. Had a lot in common, you know. Steve and I, Marines, Blake, you know, just a college football American Texas boy, and you know, we just rode together and, and just cut up, man. And um, I think did the friendship bond there just turn into this thing when, when they saw us as a like a package per se, and especially once we kind of started like matching gear and kind of um, working as a unit instead of just three separate guys, we were working as a unit. They were, they were like, man, there's something here. Cause triple H likes factions. Vince has always liked factions, three or four guys. You know, we see that with, with sanity and uh, you know, the undisputed, all that stuff. So it, it really, I'm not going to say it was an accident, but Carino had a lot of say in it. Uh, obviously Macklin and Blake, they really had this vision of, of a tag team, but then they were like, man, like, Riker could be this uh, this heater for us. You know, he could be the enforcer per se. We could use him as heels to do this and that. And it just molded, man, into something that, that Triple H got his eyes on and, you know, kind of told us what he envisioned and asked us. And we had the free will with our gear. Like, you know, my jacket lady out of Chicago made our jackets for us and our jeans. And, and it's kind of like a, I guess, like a biker look, you know, uh, but that's really how it happened. It just kind of molded together in the Forgotten Sons. Just uh, we started doing promos together and doing some stuff together, throwing ideas to the writers, and, and it just kind of stuck, man. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. That was a fun ride. Should it have been more military first, or was it supposed to be more biker first? Yeah, no, it, they wanted that military kind of faction style to it, uh, and and I guess that brotherhood like bikers are, you know, mm. and they, you know. They didn't really want a, because I know with WWE they stay away from like a military per se gimmick, you know now. Um, but I think they wanted that, you know. They still mention like Cutler and I being Marines or whatever, you know, former, yeah. however they want to say it. Um, so that was still in the mix with our promos and stuff. We can mention it, um, but yeah. So they kind of kept that military faction, you know. They, they we, we played around with it a little bit. So they don't want to do a quote-unquote just military gimmick in WWE? No, I don't think so. Like, and it was, which I was fine. I never want, like, you know, they, they said it's so, like, we're okay with 
mentioning your military history, but it's, you know, it's not like we're going to have another Sergeant slaughter or anything, which I'm mm. completely okay with. I didn't want to come out wrestling in camo and stuff like that. Anyway, like to me, that's just, I don't know, man, that's just fans nowadays. They, they, they don't want to see that. I don't think, I mean, you may have it on independent scene, which can get over in like a, a small town that's really diehard. Uh, but just, you know, the way things are now, I think it's just more, you know, if you mention it, people are like, Oh, I respect that. But if, just the characters kind of crammed down their throat. I feel like the fans just they buy it. They don't buy into it anymore. Slaughter the bygone era, though. Although that was great in that era, but yeah. oh, it was so good. No, I'm I loved it as a kid. I was like, oh man, he's him and uh, what was it, Pat Patterson boot camp match and all this stuff. Yes. Like, oh, I almost yeah. bled to death, you know. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Dude, I love those eras, man. So I'm I'm a fan of it, but you know, it's uh, just different. So I think we, you know, we had, like I said, the free will to mention our military history, um, but they just kind of wanted this like biker vibe with our jackets and all that stuff. I think once we presented to Hunter, hey, this is what we got made. Uh, he was like, oh, that's really cool looking. You guys are way different than anything we have on the roster. You guys are working in jeans or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, you got your kind of own like brotherhood, quote unquote, jacket. So it was really cool. Where does the name Jackson Riker come from? I came up with it, man. They, they gave me really? the uh, wow. Yeah, they gave me the free will, which was really cool because sometimes they'll stick a name on somebody and you're like, man, that's terrible. Uh, but for me, <clears throat> so my wife and I, we have a daughter, five year old daughter. And we, we, uh, if we have a son one day, we've always just had this name Riker in the background. I've always liked that name. Um, we, we was going to name our son Riker if we have one. Uh, so I, I chose that as a, as a last name. And then Jackson, I, I like Jax because I'm a, like a Sons of Anarchy fan. So I always enjoy that character. Yep. But we had Nia Jax. So I was like, well, can't do that. And I was thinking about what about Jackson with an, with an X instead of like J-A, you know, C-K. I was like, you know, kind of sounds rugged and, you know, stylish or whatever. So I just put mm -hmm. those two together and shot it to him. And there was, a, you know, a few other things, but that one stuck. And he's like, yeah, I think we're going to go with, you know, Jackson Riker. And I was like, sweet. So I got an opportunity to choose it. I was very lucky. <laughs> wow. I was going to say you're extremely lucky because yeah. I know obviously there's a million guys that haven't that they're like, what the hell is this name? Where'd you guys come up with this? <laughs> yeah. It's wild, right? Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't get to keep the property of it, but you know, whatever yeah. I got to use it. So <laughs> that is like the joke from NXT from years ago, the name generator thing. Like, uh, -oh, where, what is the name generator? Baron. Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, like, yeah. what's he going to come up with now? I forget Eli Drake, what his name was, but it was awful, uh, whatever his NXT name was. Yeah, I didn't look that one yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. It was like, holy crap, who comes up with some of these names? Some wild. But you got lucky. I did, I did. So, I, you know, like I said, I got to use that name, and luckily I own the Gunner name as well. So I, I, I don't, you know, have the property rights to Jackson Riker. But, yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy that I got to come up with it. I still got some forgotten sons gear that's got them on there so um it was cool to have my own name what about getting called up is that johnny ace again when you guys get called up to smackdown no that was uh so we had kind of heard through the grapevine a little bit like we had met with uh canyon seaman i don't know if you heard that name he oh yeah on the nxt yep. and um johnny ace i don't think he was still you know he was more like I want to say at that time he had Mark Carano that was more talent relations for the main roster. Johnny was kind of doing other things at the time. Anyway, Canyon, he had pulled us aside one day because at the time NXT was really, you know, blazing. There was talk, you know, we, we ended up getting different NXT contracts where it wasn't just developmental contracts. We were getting, you know, obviously a little bit more money. 
And then, so I went up to him, I was like, Hey, listen, you know, just a question here. I am married with a child. We're from North Carolina. What's the you know possibility of me being able to relocate back home? Like I'm living in Florida. We, my daughter's going to be in kindergarten soon, you know, so on and so forth. And he goes, well, I will say this, let's uh, give it a little time. Cause I, I, he said, I think, uh, you guys may have an opportunity on the main roster. And he just kind of left it to that. So it's like, maybe he already knew. And then we talked to uh, one of the writers who was keen on us. And he was just talking to us about, you know, would you guys like to go to the main roster? Is that an, an option that we were like, of course we would like who, who doesn't want to go to raw, get a chance to go to mania and all this stuff. And they were at TV and I can't remember what month. So early 2020, I guess, January. Hunter comes up to us and he's, he pulls us all three together. And this, this is funny. I'll never forget this. And he just goes, Hey, uh, so listen, um, tonight we're, we're going to just kind of write you guys off TV. You know, you could hear like, <laughs> you could hear this deathly sigh of like, Oh God, you're getting rid of us. And he goes, uh, it's because you guys are going to SmackDown. So we were all like, Oh, come on, yeah. man. You know, yeah. he kind of got us, but then he, you know, gave us the, uh, gave us the handshake. And so that's really how it happened, man. We heard a little bit. There was kind of rumblings. We had already we had always said like we felt like we were more main roster material anyway. Just our look was something yep. Vince like, and uh, you know it was it was cool. We had opportunity to work with New Day there, uh, and then things changed. So, <clears throat> so they kind of wanted you on the main roster to be the same gimmick, or you know I know you're going to be the Forgotten Sons, but do they you know Vince seems like he always like carrying Cross for example. Yeah. He changed his gimmick completely from what it was in the NXT, even the mute down to the music and the, the fit mate, whatever helmet mask. Did they want to do the same thing with you guys? Like, all right, let's completely change these guys. No, at the time, man, they wanted to completely keep us the same. No change, no look change, uh, uh, nothing. You keep the same gear. They wanted me to, I think Vince had had, had some uh, say of me staying in jeans when I would work a match or something. Cause at, at NXT, I would wear trunks. Um, I'd wear my jeans to the ring if we were going like physical stuff, but he goes, yeah, all you guys wear jeans to wrestle in. So we had to go get these jeans made that had like stretchy material and all this stuff. Uh, so that's the only change that we ever, uh, you know, we ever witnessed. But other than that, they were going to keep the forgotten sons. We were doing some cool little vignettes and stuff like that. So yeah, no, there was never a, a, you know, any say of, Hey, we want you guys to completely change looks or anything. So then, of course, the infamous tweet, the Donald yeah. Trump tweet. What what was the 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 heat? I guess was there was it from Vince? Was it because I know Kevin Owens or whatever, and Sami Zayn? I guess had something to say, but was there real heat from the office? No, no, there was never anything that came from Vince. I mean, you got to think. The funny thing is, I just mentioned this the other day too. I tweeted that, and then two weeks later, Linda McMahon basically tweets the same exact thing. I read, <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, you know. So I always yeah. laugh about that. It was just yep. one of those, you know, because I would I went back, you know, I tweeted that in June of 2020 or whatever it was. Is that yeah, something like that? And uh, but like six seven months before, I tweeted something about Donald Trump and got no backlash. I don't know why at the time that happened when it happened. What really caught fire, I think, is when when the, uh, the the employees of the company kind of like latched on to this. And I don't know why. I'd, I'd never really spoken to any of those guys. We never had any issues. Uh, the thing about it is like, just come to me and talk if you have a, a problem. You know, don't don't tweet it out just so your followers can go, oh, man, that's so cool. We love you. You know, that's basically what it came down to. But it was I mean, it, dude, it was nuts within a matter of four or five hours. My address death threats to my family and i'm like 
pro. I mean, wow. listen, I can understand if I would have got on there and tweeted something racial or something just, you know, derogatory, but it was supporting a guy I thought was doing a good job. I mean, I, I served four years in the Marine Corps, so I can just like anybody else, just like you, you, if you have an opinion over something, you know, that's your opinion. Can we just talk about it? We might disagree, but at least as adults, we can go, all right, well, cool. You go your way. I'll go my way. But once my family got attacked, I was like, bro, we got to, this has got to be a kibosh. But there was no, the only thing I got from the office was just lay low. So they took us off TV. Don't understand why, but they did. And then uh, there was never a, a moment where the company said, we need you to issue an apology because respectfully. And I would have said, no, don't feel like I needed to. And and I learned, you know, at, at, at that time, just not even going to comment on it. Just not going to say anything because that's really what they want you to do. Uh, it just got blown out of the water, man. I mean, that's my views. Once again, if I would have said something derogatory, racial, whatever, can completely understand. Um, but yeah, it just kind of put a kibosh on everything. We were off TV from, gosh, I guess I got back to TV. That happened in June. I didn't go back to TV till December of, of 20, 2020. Yeah. 2020. So, wow. Yeah. It was very wild, man. Very wild. So it really put a halt or basically ended the forgotten sons thing. I, and you know, I think what, <clears throat> why I ended the forgotten sons thing was we, we were doing some pretty fun pre-tapes. I say fun because the character stuff was really, uh, really edgy in a way for mm -hmm. something that WWE doesn't really do. Um, you know, and, and I think that's why they were like, ah, uh, we don't ruffle anybody's feathers anymore. Let's just disband them. So, and they did. Very weird. I don't know. To me, it's like, okay, somebody has an opinion, even it's, if it's the other way, I'm fine either way, Absolutely. but I wouldn't like even Owens and Zane, I feel like took it a little too far. I wouldn't tweet something and, and just, you know, kind of stir up a fight almost like make it controversial when it's not. And I don't know that seems to be the Twitter mob mentality, almost like an immature thing to do. Like, yeah. okay, Okay, like you disagree with the person's opinion. Okay, but they had to turn it into something. I don't know. It was a little too much for me. I, I thought they took it a little too far. I agree, and and I mean, it's just like I said. I mean, um, it, it is. You just you, nobody had to comment. They could have pulled me aside in the locker room and said, "Hey, man, don't really agree with what you said." And I just said, "Well, why? Why do you not agree?" And and we'd have had a conversation. I, I won't name a name, but there was one gentleman that that good buddies in the locker room that worked for WWE at the time. He texted me and said, I, I, I don't agree with your tweet. And, you know, we had a little conversation, and at the end we agreed to disagree, but we left it at that. He didn't attack me online. Uh, he didn't tweet me, and, you know, it's just, it, man, it got blown way out of proportion. Making this world a little too political there. With Ooh, tell right? him, yeah, yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I'm not into politics by any means. Hmm. You know, it's just not my cup of tea. But, you know, and I always say there's, you know, other wrestlers on the roster who could voice their opinion on certain uh, – topics in the world that they agree with you know we can name a whole slew of them and i never attack them over those you know beliefs or rights that's their right as an american citizen to voice their opinion on what they accept and not accept but it just happened to be my time to get attacked i guess man <laughs> yeah that's, i know it's, it felt like it got blown way out of proportion yeah. and even like you said you were off tv for six months long time you know but i'm very happy to sit here and say that i did not apologize and I haven't, I don't feel like I needed an apology. Um, but you know, it's just one, it's just a very, what do you call it? Like sensitive time in our nation right now. You know, we yeah. know as well as anybody, there's people battling over politics and it just sucks, man. Cause you know, I was in the Marine Corps for four years, uh, with a, you know, different 
colored people, uh, different ethnic backgrounds, all these things that we were brothers, you know, we might've not agreed on you vote for this guy or I vote for this guy. We hardly ever talked about voting that to be quite honest. All I know is we were a brotherhood, no matter skin color. And, and that's what it was about is just being humans and talking things out and sometimes behind closed door, you know, throwing fists. <laughs> but right, that's what right, we did. Yeah. And at the end we'd shake hands and Hey, I got your back no matter what, but it's not the way the world is now. Did Macklin and Blake get some heat? Like, or like, did you have heat with them or no? No, man, we never had heat with each other. I, I, I feel like we didn't. I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure they were a little disgruntled that, that everybody got taken off TV because we were getting a pretty good push with the new day. And, and we were going into right. a storyline with them. And for that, I always told the guys, Hey man, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm sorry, this is happening. Like, um, but no, we, we, we've, st- we still keep in touch to this day, you know, here and there we'll chat. I'm, I'm happy to see Macklin doing some good stuff on impact Blake doing his stuff with, uh, with, uh, you know, control your narrative and just always staying busy. And, you know, we've all went our separate ways, but I feel like we're all been successful in a certain, a certain way as well. You know, they're after that, they were only with the company, maybe a couple more months. I'm fortunate enough to have almost another, I guess, roughly a year. Um, but that's just the way it turned. I mean, the thing is all three of us, and you can tell by those two, they picked up and they continue to work and now they're successful where they are. And, and that, that's character. I mean, that's just character of taking what they learned and not letting it defeat you. And, and that's really what it's about. So obviously Linda worked for Trump, obviously <laughs> Vince McMahon. I don't know if people realize this, obviously it's out there. Very good friends with Trump. Does he say anything to you? Like, or no, he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. No, I've never, I wish I would have. Now I wish I would have like when I had a meeting when he brought the conversation up, but to be right. honest, Vince, I don't even know if he knows it ever happened. I think it was one of those things that mm. just, just was with that little group of whoever Vince would probably went, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. Right. So that, that's the only reason I never brought it up. But man, I was like, like I said, a couple of weeks later, she literally tweeted the same thing I tweeted. I was like, what in the world's going on right now? I mean, and then, you know, but that, yep. Yeah, no, only ones that, uh, yeah, just Carano told me to lay low at the time. Mark Carano, who was talent relations, said just, you know, stay off of social media for a little bit. And, you know, of course, the my address getting tweeted out and stuff like that. I had to contact our social media team who got stuff taken down and just nuts. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, yeah that's sick. sick. And so <clears throat> people are crazy, especially they are, and they are. But that's, you know, when you're an entertainer, whether it be an actor or whatever. You know, you just, I guess that's the uh, the life we choose. And sometimes it's going to happen. You're going to say one thing that sets the world off, man. And I hate it, but that's it. Yep. So when they bring you back, do they mention anything like this Corano or, or maybe even he's gone at this point? I don't even remember when he was, when he was like, oh, but who brings you back and says, hey, you're back on TV in, you know, December? No, Corano was still there. He didn't leave. Let's see. I come back in December. It was, uh, Corano hit me up. It was like a text. Hey, I think we're going to be bringing you back. And then the travel, I was, dude, I was sitting home one Friday night. My wife was out of town. This is like literally 11 PM at night. And this is WWE travel, which is not their fault, but it's just the way the company is 11 PM at night. And, uh, and, and I get a text from, um, one of the travel ladies, she goes, Hey, we're booking you a flight uh, to fly out in the morning. I went, Oh my, what? Like I've been off for seven or eight months and now you're going to give me 11 PM Iggy time here. I'm like, what's going on? But I went, okay, right. let's know what to do. So I'm having to, you know, pack bags and I was like, good Lord. But you know, once I got there, I didn't, we didn't even know what was going on. Um, 
I went maybe for a month or so before, uh, before we had ideas, like they'd had some different ideas. One of them was with, uh, what's the group that Ali had? I can't remember the name of retribution. The... Yeah. So there was, uh, there was ideas of retribution for me. And I was like, man, I really don't want to wear a mask to wrestle in. I would have done it. But then, uh, there was, I actually, I pitched an idea cause I went up to Elias and said, Hey man, like we've been chatting a little bit before then. Cause I had this like roadie idea, like Sean, or I'm sorry, uh, Jeff Jarrett and road dog. Yeah. How were your roadie? And he goes, man, I kind of like that idea. You know, he was trying to do some different stuff. So I pitched it and they kind of, you know, they stuck with it. And then right there at the beginning of the year, I get a call from one of the main writers and said, you know, tomorrow night or Monday night, this is what we're going to do. You're going to kind of be his, his roadie, more his security guy. And uh, I was like, sweet. And it just kind of flowed into that, man. So I sat around for probably a month, just kind of flying into TV, hearing things. And uh, luckily we went with the Elias stuff. I had a lot of fun with it. Overall, would you say positive experience at WB? I mean, was was it mostly you enjoying yourself, minus you know the uh, the debacle there with uh, with everything that happened with the, the tweet and everything else? Yeah, dude. Honestly, the almost five years I was there, the only the last six months I wasn't enjoying myself. Right. I, like I said, I was sitting and, and wondering why, as a talent, this was happening and not uh, being used. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, but a lot of fun. I mean the some of the most fun I've had in the ring is some of the NXT loops we did in Texas and all these other States, just, you know, traveling on the bus with the boys, um, you know, doing these awesome venues, these old music halls, these old, you know, buildings that we just get a chance to wrestle in. So a lot, very, very positive. The only, like I said, the only negative I had to say was that last six months. Other than that, I mean, I mentioned earlier, just getting a chance to sit under the learning tree of a Shawn Michaels and these other guys, I mean, this is stuff you, you know, you dream me. I mean, a five-year-old kid wanting to wrestle, grew up watching Sean and Road Dog and Hunter. Like, I never thought I'd be working with these guys, getting a chance to talk to them on a daily basis. So nothing but positive. I mean, they gave me a, a, a wonderful life to be able to provide for my family for close to five years, opportunity, opportunity to learn and kind of, you know, pass it on to the next generation. I still find it funny though, like that they pretend like, oh no, this guy wasn't like TV champion, NWA tag champ, or you know, or T well TNA tag champ, but like national champion for a while. It's like obviously somebody they're scouts guys and they know the background, but it's almost sure. like they pretend they don't. It's very I find that funny. It's very yeah, weird. WWE, they always say if it didn't happen in WWE, it never happened in your career. That's so yeah. true because they rarely mention. I mean, there were some things they would they got a little bit better. Hunter would use like Ring of Honor some of the ring of honor footage for, you know, Roddy and these guys right. or Joe or whatever, but yeah, very, very rarely would they would bring up any of that stuff. It was definitely, you, you were only WWE. We built this guy. This is our, this is our character. Nothing else matters. Yep. It's funny. Vince just had a great quote uh, the other day about that saying, Oh, everybody could be a wrestler. You could be a good wrestler. You could be a wrestler. But if you're a WWE superstar, that's a notch above. Like basically saying WWE is, uh, you know, the end all be all is the best. Whatever you did before doesn't count. Yeah, which is weird because you got some guys on AEW that can work circles around many. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, dude, they're on fire. I love to see it because it's nothing like competition in the business. You, you saw it back in the, Monday Night War days, and I just love to see it. But, yeah, I've heard Vince say that, like, WWE is a step above. And it's true. I mean, you got – there's some amazing talent on that roster. But, you know, you can't just brush these other companies under the rug and say there's, you know, no other talent there. 
Right. I guess that's a business decision on his part. It's like, oh, it's WB or bust, you know? Oh, yeah. He doesn't mention anybody else. It doesn't matter yeah. to him. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish here. Do you have some favorite matches or favorite feuds, favorite opponents? I always enjoyed the James Storm stuff when you guys suited in Impact. I felt like that was really good stuff. I felt like, you know, tag champs, but also then you end up feuding. That was really good stuff. What about you? Do you have some uh, favorite matches or, or opponents? Yeah, the James stuff for sure. I spoke on this the other day just because we actually brought my real father in. And some people don't know, but that was my real dad. So really? It was, yeah, it was wow. my real dad, man. And we, <clears throat> here's a man that grew up taking me to these shows, sitting on the couch with me, you know, watching wrestling, a Sting fan and stuff. So to be able to bring my father into this, like, <clears throat> this thing that he, you know, he always uh, supported me. You know, he yeah. never said, oh, don't, what do you do? You want to be a, a, a pro wrestler? That's stupid. He never did that, man. He always supported me. So that was really cool for me. That was a fun feud, very physical feud. It took a toll on my body for sure. Uh, I can say some of my, one of my favorite moments was <clears throat> the build up to James turning on me where I worked Magnus at the Manchester Arena there in 2014, I want to say. So we main evented that night. And I just remember that crowd being electric. Me and Magnus were a little worried because he's a UK guy. We were like, Dude, are we gonna go out here and they're gonna, you know, crap on Gunner and and cheer Magnus when they're supposed to be booing Magnus, you know? But yes, it yes. was completely the way we we needed it to be. So that's one of my favorite moments. Um, I guess uh, with WWE, some of my favorite stuff was, you know, it, it wasn't long ago, but the stuff with Elias, just the Symphony of Destruction match, getting a chance to work with him. Uh, the stuff that Forgotten Sons did, man, we had a lot of fun. There's a lot of matches on these you know, these live events that we took all over the United States that people didn't get a chance to see, you know, some fun six mans or tag matches we did with like Alistair Black at the time and Ricochet or, you know, uh, Street Profits we were working or Heavy Machinery at the time. Just a lot of like fun tag matches that, you know, because of these were live events, we got to actually just do some old school wrestling opposed to like the WWE style of this is TV only. Um, so yeah, just to, there's the name a few, man. I can definitely, uh, I can definitely name a few right there. Now, do you have any regrets? Like anything you wish you would have done differently didn't happen. Anything you wish you could have done that you didn't do as far as not that your career is over by any stretch, but anything so far in the career, you're like, man, I wish I would have done that. So uh, I can't say I have any regrets. I, I can't say that I wish that. So there in 2010, when I signed with Impact, I was NWA national champion. Um, they were grooming me from what I was being told to be the NWA heavyweight champion. So I was working with like Adam Pierce and Blue Demon and just this whole just slew of amazing talent building up to that. Got signed with Impact. Obviously, they took the, the national off of me, so that kind of put a kibosh on the heavyweight title. That's one thing I, I, I wish I could have done, and it's never too late. I mean, NWA still around and fired up right now. Uh, but regrets, like things I would have done differently, um, no, I always had a good attitude. You know, I can never say that my attitude caused me to lose my temper and destroy a, <laughs> an opportunity for me. Um, I always stood up for myself. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I tended to – latch on to those guys like AJ and impact wrestling or Ken Anderson, Bobby Roode, and just mingle with those guys. Cause I looked at who the stars were and those were the guys that I wanted to be. And those are the guys I needed to learn from. And the same, you know, same in WWE. I do, you know, regret 
not getting an opportunity to run more with Forgotten Sons. Don't regret my tweet by any means, but I do, you know, hate that we didn't get a chance to do more. I hate that that kind of put a kibosh on everything because I do think that we would have had some really, really good matches with New Day. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. As far as like next, mention NWA. I think that would be a perfect spot. Yeah. AEW, you mentioned you love AEW. So mm. are those possible landing spots or not necessarily like, oh, that's where I want to be, but like maybe try it out there, see if you like it. Like, is that something you want to do? You want long-term contract, short-term contract? What are you looking for? Yeah, no, you know, right now I'm open. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time working the independent scene. It's where I started in 2001. I went back to my roots. I said, I'm going to go to the independence, just have a good time and enjoy myself. <clears throat> I would love to go do some stuff with NWA. I, I enjoy their product uh, work, you know, getting a chance to work with Nick and these guys I've been in the ring with before. I'll never say no to AEW um, long-term contract. I don't know if it's in my sights right now, but once again, the opportunity arises and a, a company like AEW and NWA that, that I love, and we spoke about this the whole episode is just these guys are getting a chance to, they're, they're, they're their own character. I mean, basically, I mean, you know, they still have writers and stuff with AEW, I'm sure, or, or a vision that Tony has or a vision that Jericho has or whatnot. But I'm pretty sure they're a lot more open to me going, hey, what if we tried this instead tonight? And, you know, it, it may work, it may not, but I feel like it's like with AEW, it just reminds me of that that attitude error, you know, in WWF at the time where, mm-hmm. dude, everybody was a star. I mean, AEW, like they're just building everybody. It's not – I mean, you got your main stars, obviously, but I just feel like everybody's just just killing it right now. And that's what, that's what wrestling's about, just everybody having a chance to – get over and, you know, uh, sink or swim. Like we said earlier, sink or swim yep. with WWE. I feel like there's like a cap, you know, they got their select few that they're pushing to the moon or whatnot. And then the other guys are kind of on the back burner, which sucks because there's some good talent out there that should be pushed yep. a lot more. Um, so I'll never say never, uh, any opportunity that arises. If I feel it's going to be a good opportunity for my family and my career, cause I'm not done. I'll be 40 in June, man. I'm, my body still feels good. Uh, I have a lot more to offer, and I've worked with a lot of those guys that's in these companies. They say, you know, for like wrestling veterans, the true prime of the career is like 37 to 45. You know, there's like a range there where people are like, oh, 40. No, 40 is like, you know, like that's when you really hit the, the stride of the prime. I remember uh, Classy Freddie Blasty was saying, uh, I mean, this is old, old, old school, but like his prime was like when he was 45 to 50 or something. So, you know, like guys kind of catch their prime around this age. Oh, yeah, I agree. And you take care of your body. I've been, you know, I had some injuries in 2015. It kind of slowed me down a little bit uh, that taught me more about rehabbing my body and being smarter with my lifting and body. Cause it's like, I'm not just your, I don't work a normal job and then I can go lift super heavy. Like I've beat my body up for over 20 years and I gotta be smarter, but you're right. I, you, dude, look at, look at AJ Styles, look at Bobby Roode. I mean, these guys are in their forties and just, just killing it, man. I mean, so I love to see that. I mean, Jericho, what, I mean, he's probably close to 50, I would think. Right. I think he's, I think he is 50. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then recently I just saw a picture of him. I was like, he's gotten in good shape again, you know? He's so ripped. Yeah. Him. And that's what it's about. Just taking care of your body. Uh, and, and there's longevity in this. Doesn't matter. There's no age gap. Somebody online was teasing him about his abs, so he was having fun. Like, hey, yeah, they're fake. Yeah, they're fake abs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, stupid stuff. But like, obviously, he got in great shape because there was a picture of him from last year. This yeah, year. he <laughs> looks great. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah, I love that guy. He's he's a class act too, bro. So, what's 
like as far as what's next on the horizon i know we we got wrestling any non-wrestling stuff you got coming up i do so i i don't know if we've uh you may know uh, some of the listeners may or may not know i do ministry stuff so I, i'm a christian I, I go out and i speak to like youth groups but i also get a chance to visit quite a few like um like teen homes where these kids are in these group homes because whatever their mother and father are in prison for murder they've been abandoned just all kinds of different stuff man so for me it's it's near and dear to my heart um you know, uh, to, to get out and just, you know, share, uh, basically God, you know, that's, that's my belief system there and just share things to these kids off, you know, also who, uh, you know, I was growing up in a single family home or single parent home. And, uh, some of these kids think that that's like, you know, their, their future or whatnot, they have no ambitions. And I just try to go out and, and just help some of these, uh, these kids out. So it's, yeah, I got my own, um, podcast, me and my buddy, Casey Cage wrestling for the faith, so I dabble in that. And, uh, but yeah, I do a lot of, a lot of ministry stuff. I'll, I'm visiting some churches in Texas where I, I'll do like a um, wrestling event for a Christian wrestling promotion and speak at a church the next morning. So um, it's just something that's really important to me. Good stuff there. Very good. Before we let you go, give us all the plugs, social media and everything else. And of course the podcast. Yep. So uh, you got Instagram and Twitter. It's at CWLL underscore Gunner. Uh, the Wrestling for the Faith podcast. You can get on iTunes, Spotify. We have a YouTube channel as well. And um, yeah, what else do I got? Uh, personal Facebook page is Chad Lell. Um, and that's really about it. I have a YouTube channel, Chad Lell as well. But it's more like, you know, devotionals and stuff for, for my, my Christian fans or whatnot. Or anybody, hey, anybody who wants to tune in, please check it out. But yeah, definitely ask you to check out the podcast if you can. We've got some cool testimonies on there and some really cool guests and stuff like that. So I think you'll enjoy it. Nice. Good stuff. Chad, thank you so much for all the time. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you as well, John. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.